So Matthew 6.33, I'm just going to recap quickly, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I just wanted to use this morning to wrap up the last little while that we've had together as we've been considering rest. I said last week in church, I really hope that when we talk about rest, that doesn't feel like I'm giving you one more thing to do. When I was at seminary, they told me that I needed to find some hobbies that weren't related to the church, and I worked really hard to come up with things. They told me I wasn't very good at taking time off. And I said, well, I, I quite like playing guitar. Maybe I could you know, enjoy playing guitar. And they said, well, what music are you playing? And I said, well, worship songs, because that's all I know how to play. And they told me, well, that doesn't count. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> it's not my job to play worship songs. But they said, ah, but it could be. <laughs> They said, what else do you like doing? I said, oh, well, I, I didn't used to like reading, but I'm quite enjoying reading. And they said, what are you going to read? And I said, Christian books. And they said, yep, that doesn't count either. You can't have that one. After a little while of going back and forth, they, they were really pushing me hard to find a hobby. Uh, and in my desperation, I suggested smoking, at which point they dropped, dropped the subject entirely and uh, seemed to think that I was being silly. Can't think why. <laughs> You know, I think our responsibility to rest isn't meant to feel like one more thing to do. But the last couple of weeks we've talked about how it is one more thing to do. It's one more thing to plan. You've got to plan your rest. You can't just assume it's going to happen. If you assume it's going to happen, you end up vegetating, not resting. You, you put the telly on, you get a book... You do whatever it is you do when there's nothing else to fill the time, and that's not resting. We talked about how it's important that you rest in the presence of Jesus, not just resting from work, but resting with God, spending time in his presence, enjoying him, not just serving. Serving's like the work equivalent. It's the ministering part, and we all get to minister to one another. There are no star players in church. This is a sport where everybody plays and there's a role for everybody. And so we have to rest as well. Rest has to be just as well planned out, thought out, deliberate as the things we do at work. We want to be intentional at work. We want to get stuff done. The same goes with our rest. And I think the spiritual equivalent of rest is spending time with Jesus and we want to rest in Jesus' presence. And I don't mean sitting down and doing a four-hour Bible study, although for some of you that might be your thing. If it is, let me know after church and we'll get you on the preaching team. Uh, and I don't mean 16 hours sent, spent silently in prayer somewhere in some monastery, uh, although if that's you, we'll get you on the prayer team. And I, I don't mean it's running around with your kids and reading them a bedtime Bible story, but hey, we already mentioned the children's team, so I've gone full circle already this morning. But rest is an active thing. It's not work. It's not applying ourselves to work. It's applying ourselves to God. And, and as we look at this passage, but seek first the kingdom, I think really that's the basis of both being a disciple and the basis of resting in the presence of Christ. And I just want to encourage us this morning that you need to be resting in the presence of Jesus 
if you want to know the blessing of Jesus in your life. If we look ahead, Barbara read a bigger chunk of scripture this morning, and it's all the things that you might be worrying about. And this morning, I want to just talk to you about how blessing and rest go hand in hand with one another. You know, I wish people talked more about the blessings of God in church without people getting a bit twitchy. Have you noticed? We get in church, someone says, I'm going to tell you all about how to be blessed. And uh, half the church look really excited, and we'll not label them. And uh, half the church look really nervous, and we'll definitely not label them. But we have these polarizing views on what it looks like to be blessed. And so I think we just need to remember that the blessings of God serve his purposes, but also encourage us in pursuing him. Living the lives that he wants us to live, being the people that he's calling us to be, being the church that he says that we are already. And so when this passage says, seek first the kingdom and then don't worry, I think that's an amazing blessing. What do you need to do to be church? You've got to seek after God. What do you need to do to be blessed? You've got to seek after the kingdom of God. What do you need to do to be a fantastic Christian? Well, I've not met any yet, so if uh, anyone wants to <laughs> answer that, you can do that at the end. But, you know, I think some of us, and, and I'm definitely one of these, are recovering perfectionists, and we ask questions like that of ourselves. What does it look like to be a fantastic Christian? And I think the best answer we're going to come across, besides just pointing at Jesus and saying, well, that, that really, that, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I think the best answer we're going to come across is people that are seeking after the kingdom of God, knowing that everything else we need, every other concern, every other fear, every other thought, hope, imagination, dream, vision, mission, ministry, whatever, is answered by seeking after Jesus. I feel like I could probably sit down now and that would have been a good sermon, but I've got a little bit more to say. <laughs> you know, this passage says, don't be anxious about anything. When I was younger, I used to really struggle with this passage. I don't know about you, but I find that there are some passages in the Bible that I feel like my life would be easier if they weren't there. Am I the only one? Am I the only bad Christian in the room? <laughs> Because it used to say, don't be anxious about anything. And I used to think, well, that wasn't a conscious decision. I wasn't planning on being anxious today. That kind of just happened. This happened, and that happened, and then this is how I feel. And the pastor says, don't be anxious about tomorrow as we read on. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Great, tomorrow is going to be anxious as well. What a terrible thing to say to an anxious person. You thought today was bad. Wait until you see tomorrow. Crumbs. <laughs> Sometimes you read the Bible and you think, is this funny? <laughs> but you see, as we read this passage and as we are told not to be anxious about anything and we're told to 
not worry about what we're going to eat and drink, how we're going to look, how we're going to clothe ourselves, how we're going to have these basic necessities. If you're a sociologist, you've probably heard about Maslow's hierarchy of need. It's all the things that you need to have in place so that you can consider bigger spiritual ideas. You know, you've got to know where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, are your kids going to be okay? Are you going to be warm, cozy? Are you going to have those basic necessities that we end up focusing on so much? And, you know, another challenging passage is, um, you know, it talks about don't worry about these things. In fact, it's in this same passage. Don't worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom. Because God's going to take care of you is the message right before we get to this part where it says, seek first the kingdom. It talks about our lives, us as people being like the plants, the flowers, the birds, these things that seem to just have it all together. You never look at a bird and think, wow, they're a mess. You never check out a flower and think, gosh, you really need to sort yourself out. But we do with people, have you noticed? We're harsher to one another than we are to, to birds and to flowers. But this passage says, don't be worried about anything. Don't worry about how you're going to clothe yourself, feed yourself, eat, eat drink, wear. And it talks about how you can't add now to your life with worry, which sounds like another worrying thing. <laughs> But God's perspective, the perspective that we need to share, and uh, it would be really easy for me to end up down a big, long rabbit hole because we spent 12 weeks in stone about two, three years ago trying to think through what it looked like to have a God-shaped perspective. What did it look like to totally embrace the perspective of God in our lives? And I thought it was a lot of fun as a sermon series, but... Someone quoted it back to me two, three weeks ago, and that kind of knocked my socks off because they remembered things I'd preached better than I had done, so there's a word to the wise. <laughs> but we were considering what does it look like to see the world, to see one another, to see church, to see the mission that we're on, the spiritual realities that surround us, our day-to-day -day real lives through Jesus' eyes. What would that look like for you? What would that look like for me? And as we tried to think about what that would look like, what that might mean, we were trying to think about how we could better hold on to Christ's perspective rather than our own. And if we could hold his perspective, if we could see things his way rather than our own way, how would that change our hearts and minds? What would that do to here and to here? You know, as I was considering this passage, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It reminded me of something that my dad used to say week in, week out. He used to say, it matters... You know, how you do it matters just as much as what you do. How you do it matters just as much as what you do. Seeking first the kingdom, how you do it. Building the church, how you do it. Being on mission, how you do it. 
matters just as much as what we do. Doing it in Jesus' name or our name, it matters so much more that we do it in Jesus' name than our own. We've got to keep seeking first the kingdom. It's really simple. I love that we've just taken a single passage this week and we're doing a little deep dive on it. We've done that for the last couple of weeks. I know normally we preach through far more of a exegetical kind of pattern, verse by verse. But as we consider this passage, I think there's such an incredible reminder to us that our faith is so simple. Doesn't life feel so complicated? Doesn't it get so much more complicated than we ever thought it was going to? It's so easy to get just caught up in the next thing or the meetings that you've got coming up or rushing from here to there, moving about the place, connecting with people, doing the next thing at work, doing the next thing at home, tidying up after the kids, the grandkids, the I mean, the kids that they're clearly hiding in their wardrobe because these ones couldn't have made the mess, right? <laughs> and, uh, and that reminder to seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, is so simple, yet so profound. So unattainable without Christ but so tangible with him. And the fact that your heavenly father knows what you need, has a heart for you, has a heart for what he's called you to do. The fact that Jesus cares more about what you have been tasked with, your assignment in life, than you do. He cares more about the church that we're in together this morning than any one of us. He cares more about the vision and mission that we're pursuing than we ever could. Because it's his plan. It's the mission of God that we're a part of. That's what we're pursuing together. That's what we're doing together. That's why seeking first the kingdom is so important. Because it's God first. That's our perspective, Christ first. We look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the amazing thing is we're not just doing what we're meant to do because you know in some parts of the church it feels like this is where the sermon stops do what you're meant to do love god seek god follow god do what god's telling you to do but here is this promise this amazing promise of blessing that all the things we need our basic needs the blessings of god that's that's what we're going to be blessed with the things that we need to do the things that we've been called to do by our loving Heavenly Father. That we're not called to do it in our strength, but we're called to do it in His. And that He's going to resource us, bless us, help us along the way. And so this perspective check not to be anxious and not to be anxious tomorrow about tomorrow today. I think is just another one of those many come to Jesus moments. I think that's what we're being reminded to do. And if we've been a Christian for a long time, I think sometimes we don't recognize a come to Jesus moment quite the same way we would like someone who doesn't know Jesus 
to recognize a come to Jesus moment. One of those moments where you are going to choose to follow Jesus more closely. And I think as Christians, we think these come to Jesus moments are only for the unsaved, but I'm sure our lives are full of come to Jesus moments, even after we've given our lives to him. Because we are constantly, daily, another passage says, taking up our cross and following. Every single day we've got a fresh opportunity, fresh grace to come to Jesus. To seek first the kingdom of God. And know that for this day, our needs are going to be met in Christ Jesus. And whether you think at first of the material things, what you're going to eat, drink, wear, do, or whether you think of the spiritual things, that daily portion of grace, the fact that grace is new every morning, seeking first his kingdom, I think is something that we need to do daily, deliberately, and decisively. We've got to decide to do it together. We've got to really seek after the kingdom of God. And for each one of us, this discipleship journey doesn't end when we know enough. It doesn't end when we've been taught the things that we need to know or that somebody taught us. Our personal responsibility in discipleship is that we keep being disciples of Christ every single day. Discipleship doesn't become something that we do for somebody else because we've graduated and, you know, we got baptized and we got saved. We became a member of a church somewhere. You know, we're, we're all in. For us to be all in, that means we're going to have to keep choosing Jesus daily, deliberately, decisively. And when we do that, he's already chosen us. His grace, his blessings, the blessing of his grace even is his gift to us. That when we seek first his kingdom, his blessings follow us all the days of our lives. And what could be a greater blessing than open access to God? To be the children of God. You think God cares about flowers and birds? How much more does he care for his children? As this passage goes on, it says, you know, therefore, I'm going to read it for us. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. It's not that you're not being anxious because you've got no cause to be anxious. It's that you've got no need to be anxious because of who you're going with. We don't focus on the things that make us feel anxious. We focus on the creator of heaven and earth. We focus on the king, the Lord on high. We focus on God. A popular saying when I was growing up in the church was, you don't need to tell God how big your problems are. You need to tell your problems how big God is. Did you ever hear that one? I think I might have even had that as a wristband because, you know, I was cool once. <laughs> But uh, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish I could add things to the Bible as well as take things away. And I just think, 
that other verse talking about how his grace is new every morning, I just want to put a little asterisk in and just flip to that real quick. Because I think there's a bigger reality here. I think this passage has been talking about it. And sometimes when we add on, a, we end on a word like trouble because of the way our Bibles are formatted, we think, oh, that's a bit disappointing. But let's hold on to the full canon of Scripture. Let's hold on to the full perspective of what it looks like to be Christ followers. Let's remember that in the same passage that it talks about trouble, the anxieties of life, the troubles of life, we've just been reminded what it is that we're meant to be doing. We're seeking first the kingdom. We're seeking first the kingdom. I'm wrapping up now, but uh, just a couple of last thoughts. I know I've said that before and then spoken for a long time, so a couple of you always grin at me when I say that. Uh, and I don't mean it in a Paul-like way. I, I wonder if that was him just struggling as well to wrap up effectively or efficiently. But um, anyway, last two thoughts. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, here we are in church. It's Sunday again. Sundays seem to come up with almost an alarming frequency. I don't know if you've noticed. Just life generally seems to really charge on week by week. Another week's gone. And the busyness of life is all around us. And this challenge, we, we come to church and sometimes we hear a great word of encouragement. Sometimes we hear an amazing teach. Sometimes we hear a great word of challenge. The last few weeks, I hope you've been encouraged and challenged in equal measure as we've considered rest. And uh, normally I weave application through a sermon a little more subtly than this. But here's the question, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are you seeking first the kingdom in your life? How are you going to apply this to your life, to your family's life? What are you going to do about this? Because this encouragement to seek first the kingdom, to seek out Christ's perspective for how we're living, I don't think is a challenge not to be anxious so much as to trust in God and to rest in his presence so that when the trials of life come, we are well trained in our discipleship journey, seeking after God. I don't think where it talks about the troubles of tomorrow are plenty enough, we're meant to come away thinking, oh no, tomorrow's going to be a bad day too. But instead we're meant to think, isn't it amazing that the same God who looks after birds and trees and flowers cares about you and me? He's done a great job with them. He's got an even better plan for my life because I'm a child of God. What are we going to do for those around us, for those who don't know how to seek God for themselves? Are we seeking the Lord in prayer for those that we love that don't know him? Is there someone that you can share with this week, remembering that it's good news? It's not telling them about the troubles of life. It's telling them about the hope in Jesus. What better could we possibly say to somebody who's having a tough week than, you know, can I pray for you? 
Can I pray with you now? I think Jesus cares about you. And um, just one last thought, just as I wrap up. And I said I was wrapping up, and I said I had two thoughts, and this is the last one. Have you ever found that you hear a great sermon in a church? You know it's a good sermon because you come away and you, you see some people nodding on the way out the door. But uh, perhaps you're struggling a little bit. Perhaps you're thinking, actually, my life's been pretty tough of late. Seek first the kingdom. Yeah, that's great. When? What time? Or seek first the kingdom. Yeah, well, you know, you don't, you don't know how my life's been this last few months. That all seemed great, and, you know, you got a couple of laughs, and we went away, and we all had some lunch, and it was, you know, church was fine, just fine. How was it? Fine. <laughs> Did you have a good morning? Yes, fine. <laughs> Perhaps you've had a tough time of late. Perhaps this is an opportunity to have one of those come-to-Jesus moments. Perhaps this is an opportunity to seek first the kingdom, not just in word, but with your whole heart. Perhaps you just need to ask someone for prayer. Perhaps you need to ask one of our church leaders, me as the pastor, someone that you're really good friends with in church, and just say, you know what, I'm trying to seek first the kingdom, but I'm going to need some help with that because I'm struggling. I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that my faith is my own. I think this is really perpetuated in our current cultural climate where faith is seen as a personal religious observance rather than a corporate act of worship. I think it's one of the things that makes it so challenging to us in this current phase well, we're trying to find the right words to say to those people who might be watching at home about being here in the room. And I know not everybody who's watching online could be here in the room, but I know that there are some people who could be who aren't yet. But our faith is not our own. Our faith in Christ belongs to the gift of salvation in Jesus' death and resurrection. Our faith in Christ, grace in Christ, doesn't just belong to Christ, but it, when we become a Christian, we are being knit into the family of God. We are becoming the bride of Christ. We are gathered as the people of God for the purposes of God to be Christ's bride. And in the same way you can't leave your legs at home, you can't leave your church at home. It's really hard to be church from home. So if you're struggling to come out, you feel like this is too many people, pick up the phone, pray for somebody this week. If you notice that somebody's not been in church for a little while, pick up the phone and you call them this week. Let's just keep building community. Let's remember that actually... That analogy that I know has been overshared about how we're not all in the same storm, we're all in different boats, we're in different places in the same storm. Let's remember that. Let's, let's not just seek first the kingdom, I guess is what I'm saying, for me. 
let's not be thinking about ourselves as we seek first the kingdom. Let's remember that we can do that corporately for one another just as much. I think this is one of those holy tensions. It's me and. It's my responsibility and it's what I'm doing for us together, for one another. Let's seek together the kingdom of God. Knowing that all we need, church, all we need is found in Christ. Would you pray with me as I wrap up? Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it is so easy to seek first your kingdom. Father God, never before have we had such ease of access to fantastic teaching resources as we have online these days. Never before have we had such easy access to not just one Bible, but probably every translation we could ever imagine. Father, we thank you that our lives are full daily of your grace that your grace and mercy is new every morning. And that as we're called to seek first your kingdom, that isn't just our personal opportunity, but our collective responsibility. Father, we pray that you just keep knitting us together as your church, that we wouldn't just serve ourselves, but one another. We wouldn't just minister to ourselves but we would minister collectively as a church to a broken and hurting world. And Father, I thank you that everything that we need is found in Christ. As we seek first your kingdom, all these other things are added to us. Father, we thank you that the needs of the local church are found in the church. And as we come together, as we join together in unity and in Christ, as your bride. We thank you that your grace isn't just sufficient for us here in Ainsford, there in Stone, tuning in from the care home. Father, we thank you that your grace, your grace and mercy are sufficient for us as your people. In Jesus' name. And so we just ask that you would fill our hearts. Fill our hearts afresh. Help us to turn to you again. We praise your name. Amen.